Church. Hope everyone is doing well. I want to first introduce myself. Um, if you don't already know me, my name is Christopher Losi. I was a part of River's Edge and just left Spokane, Washington about six days ago to plant a church in Portland, Maine. In fact, we literally just got here and we actually unpacked our U-Haul. We, well, we got here last night. We just unpacked our U-Haul uh, about an hour ago. So if I look tired, um, I definitely am. Uh, it's been definitely a, a journey. Uh, we have four adults, three kids, three dogs, and a cat that we just traveled 3,000 miles across the country with. So it has been a bit of a journey. Um, and if you don't already know the backstory to that, we actually did a, we actually spent a whole Sunday actually talking, uh, talking through that. We had our whole team on stage and we, you know, just shared what God was doing um, with us and it, as it pertained to each of us feeling a call. Uh, to Portland, Maine. And so we are here, um, at least, I mean, half the team is here right now, um, and the other half will be coming um, over sometime in August. Um, so definitely keep us in prayer. Um, if, if you have room on your prayer list, please go ahead and add us on that, and we can definitely use it. Um, like I said, we're, we're excited. I mean, we're, you know, we, we had a long trip out here. Um, however, we know that God is calling us um, out here for a reason. There's a purpose, um, and we're just excited, excited to see what God's going to do with us and what he's going to be doing in this great state of Maine. Aside from that, let's let's jump in. Uh, we are actually going to be continuing in our series through the book of Galatians, and today our focus will be on chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it still rings true today, um, as it did 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. God, that, you, that, that it doesn't matter the time, God, that your word is more than just a book. It's not just some good ideas, but it's truth. It's alive. Lord, I just pray for us to, as we're, as we're diving into the book of Galatians and, and just the topic of grace and what the gospel entails, Lord, I pray that for those that have never heard it, their eyes are opened. Lord, open their eyes. And for those of us who, who have heard it, Lord, I pray that we can be just as excited as the first time we heard it. Lord, I pray for us to hear it afresh, hear it anew. Lord, grace is amazing. <laughs> so thankful for it. So thankful that it's not based on 
anything I can do or will do or have done, but it's all based on what you have done, it's accomplished, it's done, it's finished. What was done on the cross doesn't need to be replicated again. It's finished. We can rest in the finished work of the cross, Lord. So I just pray for revelation. God, I just pray for your supernatural revelation. Open hearts, God, and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Galatians is one of the most important letters the Apostle Paul coined as it was a polemical defense of the gospel. You see, Paul was defending the gospel against heretical teachings that were creeping into the Galatian church. And as Matt mentioned, there were a group of heretical teachers known as the Judaizers who seemed to follow Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. It was like whenever Paul would leave, these Judaizers would actually creep in, twist the message of the gospel, and teach a works-based message saying that Jesus, or, or coming to Christ, needs to be a Jesus plus. Yes, Jesus is great and all, but you still need to go through Judaism first. Basically, you need to become Jewish, and then you can become a Christian, which is why circumcision was actually brought up in Galatians 5.2. And, th and this is what Paul says. He says, mark my words. And, and you can hear that tone in his, in his voice. Mark my words, he says. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Those strong words. Again, and he's repeating himself. He wants, you to, he wants us to hear this. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, are, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You're, you're trying to be justified by the law, and because of that, you're actually being alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await for the faith, for, I'm sorry, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So this requirement to be circumcised implied that it wasn't faith alone. It wasn't by grace through faith. Rather, they were saying there needed to be a work alongside grace, alongside Christ. This was absolutely abhorrent. And you can, you can hear it in, in the tone uh, in which Paul was writing. Which is why we see in Galatians 1, Paul, right from the get-go, gives such a strong rebuke to any message that changes, alters, or adds to the message of the gospel. Galatians 1, 6, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. There's only one gospel. There's only one. When you add, twist, change, tweak it a little bit, he, he's saying that that's not the gospel. That's not, that's not the good news of the gospel. It doesn't matter if the thing you are adding is a good thing. It could be a good thing on its own. Any work at all that is added into the message of the gospel as a means to salvation is a false message. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's feeding the homeless, worldwide philanthropy. It, it, it could be ending hunger. It could even be curing 
all the diseases in the world. doesn't matter what it is. You could be the Mother Teresa of your city and Paul's rebuke would still stand. And we actually have a phrase at the Losey House. A, a good thing at the wrong time is a bad thing. It's, it's super simple. I always tell my boys this. You know, because there's always these little scuffles. I have, I have two, uh, two boys, one's 12 and one is seven, and there are scuffles all the time. Well, I, I said this, and, and you know, I, I said it all the time. It, well, that is, a, that's an okay thing to say in the right context. It's a good thing. In the wrong context, it's a bad thing. Basically, good isn't just defined by the action, but also by the context. I'm going to say that again. So good isn't just defined by the action, right? So it's not just what you do, but also the context. Now let's look again at what Paul is saying in Galatians 3.1. Paul starts off with this line, Who has bewitched you? It's strong. Who, who's, who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you into believing that it is anything but faith alone? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe? Do you believe that you are not good enough? Do you think that the message of the gospel of grace is too good? Does it seem like you don't deserve his grace? If your answers were yes, congrats. You are absolutely right. You are not good enough. The message of the gospel is too good, and grace cannot, by definition, be earned. If you believe that you can earn it, and that you are good enough, then I would say to you, like Paul said in verse 1 of today's text, who has bewitched you? Verse 2, this is what, this is what Paul says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? How did you receive the Spirit? How were you saved? It's simple. Faith. That's it. You can't add to it. it nothing. It's, it's by grace through faith. It wasn't based on how many verses you memorized, how holy you have lived, how little you have sinned compared to your friends, your family, your coworkers, or, or, or looking out and saying, hey, look at the world. Look how bad the world is. But I'm good. I, I, I'm fine. I, I'm better than them. If you started not by works, but by faith, why would you think works are necessary to continue, sustain, or finish this Christian walk? I love how Spurgeon puts it. He says this. He says, Surely the way in which the Christian life begins is the method in which it is to be sustained. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, uh, it's King James, the apostle says in another place, So walk ye in him. If you have begun in the flesh, go on in the flesh. But if you really know that your beginning was in the flesh, or, or I'm sorry, if, if you really know that your beginning was in the Spirit, then go not back to the flesh. I love that. Does this mean there are no works in a Christian's life? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, in, in the book of James, the oft-quoted verse still rings true. Faith without works is dead. That's, that's absolutely true. The difference is this, though. Works flow out from your salvation rather than a means to it. You are not saved by what you do, but because you are saved, you do. It's fruit. So what can you do? What can you do to implement this into your life? It's simple. Receive. Right? The, the first step 
is to receive the good news that it's he who begins a good work and it's he who completes it. He starts it, he finishes it. The, the same grace that you received when you were justified, when, when you came to Christ, when you had your born-again moment, that same grace is the same grace that's going to continue to, to keep you along the way. It's, it's the same thing. And that's what Paul's hitting on. It, did you think that it started because of flesh? Well, no. You, you know that you begin, that your Christian walk started because of the Spirit. Then why do you think that your flesh is going to perfect it? Rest that he is enough. And nothing needs to be added to make it more effective. Live in that. Forgive because he forgave you. Be generous. Because he was and is generous with you. Go the extra mile for your friends, family, co-workers, and strangers. Because after all, he did that for you. Grace is something that doesn't end with your justification, your, your initial salvation moment. It permeates through your day-to-day -day life. Last, remember that grace is getting what you don't deserve and mercy is not getting what you do deserve, both of which you get the blessing of living in as a result of something you can never do because Jesus did it for you. And he is enough. He's completed the work. And let's rest in that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are enough. Thank you that I can rest in your sufficiency, your strength. Your grace is so good, Lord. I pray that those who are hearing this today can rest. Rest in your finished work on the cross and realize that Works flow from that and not to it. If they're not saved by what they did or will do or have done, but by what you've already done, you've completed it. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. And in these uncertain times, it's so amazing that we get certainty. That though the world may not have certainty, we have certainty. We know who we are in you. We know what you've already done for us. And Lord, I just pray for revelation of that in all of our lives. That though we may think for some of us that, oh, I know, I, I know what grace is. But Lord, I pray that we can, our eyes can be opened because there's a depth of your grace that most of us have only scratched the surface of. That there's, that there's, there's so much. There's so much to who you are and what you've done, Lord. I pray that we never grow stale. We never, we never look at it as a, oh, this is a truth I already know, old news. No, it's good news. It's not old news. It's good news. And it's always good. And it will always be good news. Lord, I pray for our excitement for the gospel, our excitement for your grace to be afresh, Lord. And for those that have never heard it, God, I just pray for their eyes to be opened. But they can they can hear these words that, that that were written in scripture so many years ago and realize that it's still applicable today. That the word is true, the word is alive, and your grace is enough. In Jesus' name, amen.